0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 57th episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week, my guest co-host is a journalist from Denver, but actually by California, if I remember correctly, and also one of my former reporter foes. My guest co-host this week is Sam Pena. Hello, Sam. How's it going? I'm doing good, Liam. How are you doing today? Oh, I am great. So Sam um, used to work here in Chattanooga, so he's very familiar with Chattanooga. Um, We have a chattanooga based kind of market case um this week and so i'm hoping that you can kind of provide some local insight as well as i could um but now you're over in in denver colorado right you just started not too long ago yeah
1: three months ago denver has been quite a change especially from a market like chattanooga but it's had its own challenges that are really exciting
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I bet you guys have a lot more snow on the ground than um, than we do, even though we just got, like, frozen over this week. So. Listen, as a California kid,
1: this has been a big struggle for me. Yeah, yeah, here. yeah. That's fair.
0: Well, speaking of, like, really cold things, um, I have this, like, you know, f- this colder, you know, bottle of wine that I've been, you know, popping into the into the refrigerator for the last, like, week or so. Um, So, what do you say you get there, Sam?
1: I have it right here. I am looking forward to this, actually. Awesome. Uh, also, actually, this is going to be the first glass of wine I've had in a about three years, I stopped drinking. So I I figured, you know what, no better time to kind of Get back into it, then with a good friend on (laughs) the podcast.
0: (laughs) There you go. Awesome. Cool, cool, cool. Well, this week, Sam, we are drinking Luna Nuda's Pinot Grigio. It has bright, crisp, golden, delicious apple and citrus flowing through the wine with just a hint of alpine air. So like Denver kind of rides there, definitely for sure. And minerality, flavors that embody the terroir of Italy's northernmost wine-growing region. The terroir. very elaborate description. Yeah, I have never heard of terroir. That's a word I'm are. not familiar with. I got to look that Definitely up. Definitely not. This. <laughs> I am going to Google it right now, and I will report back to you. Perfect.
1: See journalism skills at going to use right now.
0: Oh yeah. So it according to Google, um, it says the complete natural environment in which a particular wine is produced, including factors such as the soil, topography, and climate. Interesting. So interesting. very wine particular vocab there. Love that. All right. Okay, I'm awesome. ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Um, Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Sam. So happy to have you on. Absolutely. Cheers to you, my friend. All right. Here's to you as well. Ooh. Interesting. Oh, minerality for sure. Very subtle flavor. I don't know if that
1: minerality is the right word or not. It's hmm. maybe a little earthy to
0: it? Yeah, earthy. Yeah. Earthiness for sure. And it's like, but it's like a very subtle kind of like I've it gives mountainous kind of flavor. Vibes. I can't really explain that, but like that's definitely what they're <laughs> trying to describe. there. Mountainous is sure. yeah, like
1: we're in Denver,
0: but definitely apple, citrus. I mean, th- those are spot on, one hundred percent, absolutely. Uh, and I do, I it does kind of taste a little bit like a lot of the Pinot Grigios um, from Italy, like Northern Italy that I am familiar with. And so, like mm-hmm. mini- like I definitely feel like it's like, like I kind of get what they're going for here in terms of like the mountainy kind of terrain, um, and, and yeah, that is like that flavor is kind of popping out. Mm-hmm quite a bit like in like very very subtly though for sure
1: yeah I, it kind of creeps up on you a little bit i feel mm-hmm.
0: but it's subtle flavors um very smooth for sure like oh you yes. pretty sure it should be um alpine air 100 um <laughs> again it's just it's just like it feels it I, I can't really i can't really put like the word that i'm trying to get at here of like what i'm trying to what how i'm trying to describe this thing but it just tastes it's, like it was fresh it in the mountains. feels like <laughs> very fresh yeah that's a good one very very fresh it's a very very fresh wine mm, you know sure. when you
1: like go out into the mountains and you just take like a deep breath in yeah it's kind of like that yes
0: very clean air, mm-hmm. very, very clean air kind of wine for Good sure. Choice. Yeah, I'm into this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Well, thanks. I, you know, I know my wine, you know, quite a bit. So, um, but speaking of, of the pack. Pack. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of um, mountainy kind of terrains, things that take place in mountains, Um, the story mm-hmm. I have for you this week, Sam, um, to, again, like we said before, it takes place not too far from Chattanooga. And so, very mountainy kind of area for sure. Um, and so, I am very excited to dive deep into this one because I've known about this one for a long time time as a reporter here, Um, and so I'm excited to kind of share this one with you. I'm wondering if you've kind of picked up on this as well. well. I have maybe a slight
1: idea on it, but I don't know the full details, so I'm ready to kind of dive on into it.
0: Well, let's dive right on into it, Sam. So this week, I'm going to tell you a story about a woman whose life seemed to be largely unknown for one reason or another. But when she vanishes, the investigation into her disappearance centers around one person, but has a frustrating dead end after frustrating dead end. This week, Sam, I want to tell you the story of Marsha Brantley and the dirty little secrets. 50-year-old Marsha Brantley was originally born in Illinois. She was an only child, friendly, the creative type, a writer, and she loved animals, even volunteering at local animal shelters pretty much her whole life. We absolutely love her for that. Everyone knows how much I love my rescue animals. And, you know, she was, you know, a pretty self-confident person, too. She stuck to herself prioritizing what she needed to prioritize. And she didn't need any man to make herself feel better or more accomplished, even in the slightest. So when she was about 40, she met a man who she felt allowed her to do just that. She met Donnie Brantley on a dating website. He was a competitive bike rider, and they ended up being perfectly happy together. About a year after they met, they were married, and they moved into a home that Marcia's parents had built for her in Cleveland, Tennessee, just about 30 minutes east of Chattanooga. But not long into their marriage, Marcia suffered a massive personal blow. Both of her parents had passed from cancer within just weeks of each other. It left Marcia virtually alone of any direct family members. Again, Marsha had no siblings. Marcia and Donnie hadn't had any kids yet. She had some extended family who she had some regular contact with, but they lived in North Carolina hours away. And so Donnie was suddenly her only real family. But if you believe what Marcia had been writing in her online blog, Marsha and Donnie were perfectly happy. Every other blog made references to some new great romantic thing he had done for her, and or how in love they were with each other. They seemed to be in a permanent honeymoon stage over their first decade of their marriage. But people who really got to know the Brantleys thought otherwise. They had reason to believe that Marcia's blog did not equal reality, right? Like, online never dies. And you see, Marcia wasn't exactly elaborate and outgoing, but she was pretty social with the people who she had gotten to know best. But Donnie, on the other hand, wasn't much of a talker according to the couple's friends, and so that created a bit of awkwardness behind closed doors, according to them, especially in comparison to the romantic life that Marsha was writing about. Donnie came across as pretty standoffish, actually, and always kind of rubbed the couple's friends and family the wrong way for reasons they just couldn't put their fingers on, and according to them, their relationship just seemed a little tense from the outside looking in.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I've done a number of stories in the past on cases where you have a victim and you always get to tell like really early on who are the people who are close to the people who are in this relationship and those who aren't because you'll see the people who are like, yeah, they just seemed amazing. They just seemed so happy. Mm -hmm. And then you start to talk to those close friends and family and they're like, I kind of saw this coming or I had some doubts. So that's when you really start to understand who is kind of like the best in my field, interview, but also the best source of knowledge on this because
0: yeah, so there's always
1: that diciness that comes with, uh, with uh, that knowledge.
0: Yeah. Well, and again, we've said it so many times this podcast. Right. But you don't really know anyone, especially mm-hmm. like even like the person you're sleeping next to every night. Right. Like you mm-hmm. don't know anyone until you are that person. Right. And so like Absolutely. you don't know what they do and they what they really do when they like leave the house for the day, mm-hmm. um. even the, even no matter how much they tell you about it. um. Mm-hmm. And so like definitely like even these people, you know, who, who say, you know, hey, this did not really fit right. Well, Marsha, you know, like, again, based on what we know about Marsha so far, right? Like, she was a pretty, you know, reserved person, like mm-hmm. even like her, her close friends and family. She was still kind of like an arm's length away, it seemed like.
1: And I'm sure she wants to put her best foot forward when she's in public Absolutely. and when she sees people.
0: Yeah. Well, and she seemed like that kind of person where it was like, you know, like I'm going to if I'm out in public, like I'm going to put on my best face, even if things aren't exactly okay, because it just it's too complicated. Right. Like, it's just too complicated to tell you what's really going on. Um, And like too, again, like she's like this writer, she seemed like she had this pretty successful blog. And so like Mm -hmm. it's almost like it just made sense that she was just writing about this perfectly romantic lifestyle, um, you know, because that is what sells like that's the kind of yeah. persona that she wanted to put off
1: and i'm sure it's the ideal that she herself may have wanted even if she mm-hmm. didn't have it in her real life
0: yeah that's such a good point really good point but you know despite that there weren't any direct signs that marcia was necessarily unhappy in their marriage sam but there weren't any reports of abuse or any kind of tr- other kind of trouble it just seemed as though marcia and donnie weren't the right fit to her close friends at all the couple lived together with several dogs. Again, Marcia was a huge animal lover, and she loved her dogs. And they were getting going in their careers, too. Marcia had used part of her parents' inheritance to help Donnie get his handyman business going, and Marcia had decided to follow her dreams, too. Since that business was going so well, she quit her job as a housing director at a local college and started to write. She had written a few short stories and had actually submitted quite a few of them to some local and regional um, writing competitions, and some of them actually ended up winning a few awards. And despite the Brantleys seeming to move through their lives with ease, suddenly in March of 2009, Marcia makes an interesting and totally out-of-character admission to people that she was closest to. According to the Chattanooga Times Free Press, friends of Marcia's say that Marcia had expressed some unhappiness to them very suddenly. Even as Marcia continued to write about the romance of their relationship in her blog and on social media, Marcia felt the need to tell her friends that she wasn't happy at all. In fact, she had said that she was, quote, so depressed that she couldn't get off the couch.
2: That
1: seems like she's reaching that breaking point at that moment Mm -hmm. because you always you want to put on that face you want to put on that facade and then you finally get to a point where you simply can't hide it so even if you're not making the full decision at that point she has reached i guess some honesty with herself to be honest now with people around here as well
0: well, and again, so going back to what we uh, what we know about Marsha, you know, it seems as though she kept a lot of, you know, things close to the chest. And so, like, think about how bad that must have been for her yeah. to feel like she has to finally admit what's really going on mm-hmm. um, inside, right? Because it just must have just been that terrible for her to finally be like, guys, like, I'm actually not really that okay. yeah
1: and I can't and from her friend's perspective seeing that must have been even if they have the Mm. understanding that there's some tension there now they're seeing her actually admit it that has to be a shock I'm trying to think of it from their perspective as well in that moment if they have those ideas in their heads that there's these struggles that are happening between Marsha and Donnie and now they kind of see this first admission I don't know what your reaction is as if someone were to tell you that as your friend but for Mm. me immediately my my alarm bells are going off there as in something's about to go down or something's about to happen here.
0: Right. Well, yeah. And again, so like, and I think going back to the, like what I said before about how, you know, she had, you know, like been continued to post online about how great her, her relationship was. Everything was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, like the fact that she was feeling this way, but also simultaneously writing about, about, you know, how wonderful life was, like it kind of, right. you know, gives some credence to what the friends were saying about how, you know, even, even before when they kind of were questioning it, side eyeing mm-hmm. it a little bit and, but the posts were still, reflecting the opposite um, of what life was like you know it it seems it seems like that tracks that she was you know again just putting on this persona Mm and for her digital audience but for herself she was not okay
1: yeah i it seems like she was at the point where she wasn't able to keep up that perfect facade
2: anymore
0: yeah Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, the Friends had actually gathered shortly after this, you know, admission by Marcia for their monthly writers group, which Marcia had actually formed. And then in May, Marcia was confirmed to have attended a short writers conference where her short story, Dirty Little Secrets, had come in second place. On the way home from the conference on May 27th, 2009, Marcia called her friend, and the two apparently had a really long conversation that wasn't terribly out of the ordinary, according to this friend. But it was during that phone call that Marcia says that Donnie had surprised her by buying her a new phone. Now, everything seemed fine with Marcia during this call, and maybe even better than it had been going before, because Marcia seemed pretty excited and satisfied that Donnie had decided to buy her a new phone. Things, you know, seemed to be going a bit better in their marriage, again, from the outside looking in. But suddenly, as summer went on in Cleveland, Tennessee, Marcia's friends and neighbors started realizing that they actually hadn't really seen Marcia around in a while. She wasn't seen walking her dogs that she loved so much. The flowers that she had carefully been nurturing were dead. And even her social media activity had stopped pretty much altogether, too. But even what was left for Marsha online was a sharp turn from the typical honeymoon style romance that she had been describing for years. Sam, I'm hoping you can read this one this final post from Marsha that was posted to her social media page.
1: I got you. It says here, All the pl- are all the plans it's out of alignment why is everything that can go wrong going wrong for the past month reading that immediately like i said earlier alarm bells are going off but yeah. also i feel like social media tends to be the last thing that tends to break for a person correct
0: yeah absolutely so, yeah yeah and so this was posted in like early June like late May kind of area and so again this was like mm-hmm. shortly after this phone call that she just had with her friend where everything seemed okay um, but to your point though too right like like coming from my perspective and it seemed as though Marcia was kind of this person too um, mm-hmm. like I don't post on, on social media like period right like like <laughs> pretty much at all and so um, definitely not like my personal business in terms of just like when things are bad like I don't let people know about unless that unless it's to promote
1: crime over wine <laughs> that's
0: true or unless I've had a few Glasses of wine, um, right, and then maybe like who knows what I'll post on, on Facebook, but um, but like, so, so to your point, right, like it must have, and this was to be fair, like you know, the very beginning of Facebook, so maybe people mm-hmm. didn't really have that kind of mindset. Um, when it first came out, because those kind of people were just like, "Oh, cool, a new platform that I can share with all my friends." So, right. like, maybe take that with a grain of salt. Um, but point being, though, to to the point of what you were saying before, um, you know, it seems as though it just must have just been the absolute, like, you know, like the like final straw. Whatever happened was the final straw right. um, in in Marcia's really like. It seems as though like kind of like a decade of just really bad luck, like bad things happening yeah. back to back.
1: And and that first line too where she says are all the planets out of alignment, it's almost as if like she's grasping for something to be right in her life and now just all of it seems out of whack.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, 100%. Um, But, you know, unfortunately, we don't exactly know what she meant by that, Sam. And again, as far as anyone had known about Marsha, everything was going just swimmingly for her. And here, there's even a comment from a friend on that post, which I think just about shows, um, you know, how much everyone around her assumed everything around her was totally fine. Can you read this one, too, Sam?
1: Yes, her friend said, except for the roses your hubby gave you just because. That... Just because they're at the end, <laughs> that that yeah. is that
0: sarcastic? Is that something that is? I maybe I'm not sure. I, I didn't really read it that way. I read it as like as like this was like because she had been posting before, um, you know, for for years about how you know all the nice mm-hmm. things she was doing for, that he was doing for her, um, you know, all the times that he was just bought bought her flowers just because. And yeah. so I think that she was just re- this friend was just referencing. Back to like maybe like a previous post that she had just made earlier that week. Mm-hmm. And so again, kind of what I was saying before about you know how how she was posting like this you know real rosy lifestyle on online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then also this kind of came yeah. out of nowhere, but like clearly things were not going well. Yeah.
1: Right? And, and maybe if her friend was being, you know, genuine with that as well, maybe she was sitting there thinking, well, that's the one thing in your life you have going mm-hmm. for you right now is right. your husband, even though that may be what was causing it to begin with.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And too, like, right. Like I'm imagining that maybe it's just this person being a good friend of like, no, like not everything's that bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have a husband that really loves you enough to just buy you flowers. Right. And so like, it's definitely coming from like a place of you know, good intentions, 100%. Um, But it just, it seems, again, in hindsight, absolutely, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a little tone-deaf, potentially, um, but, like, right. they didn't know what was going on um, in, in reality, and um, Marsha doesn't um, end up responding to that comment directly, um, not a good kind sign of interestingly. Right. <laughs> yeah, not a good sign, and, like, maybe she just didn't want to, but it's just it's just uh, odd, right? And, uh, you know, the more time that had passed since anyone had really heard from Marcia, the more Marcia's friends and neighbors realized that something must be terribly wrong. So, one neighbor decides that she was going to go to the Brantley's house and see what was going on and what happens next catches her totally off guard. <laughs> Get ready for that big test with study.com. Study.com offers learning materials and test prep, even LSAT study prep guides for all of my legal nerds listening. Unfortunately, there aren't any wine study guides, and believe me, I did check. Listeners can get 30% off their first three months of any subscription level using the promo code CRIME OVERWINE. Again, that's promo code CRIME Wine, no spaces for 30% off your first three months at study.com. Learn faster. Stay motivated, study smarter, with our sponsor, study.com. When the neighbor knocks on the door, Donnie answers. And when Donnie gets to the door, the neighbor asks him, hey, where's Marsha? Like, just haven't really seen her around in a while. And Donnie says that she's gone. Donnie says that Marsha had decided to leave him, and she took off, never looking back.
1: Knowing what we know of Marsha at, at this point, that sounds a little out of character to not alert anyone to what's mm-hmm. happening.
0: Well, and it, so to that point, though, like they're like it's like she doesn't really like her friends are kind of like mm-hmm. close friends, but like her closest friends are like you know my like least close friends. You know what I mean? That that's how I am kind of taking. Yeah. this. So like maybe it's not too bizarre and like but like even to this neighbor right like it seems as though they're just like neighbors like not anything spectacular Mm -hmm. um so maybe it doesn't really seem that odd to her maybe not but i'm sure i'm
1: sure the neighbor at this point might be starting to have some questions perhaps out out of Mm -hmm. pure curiosity at that point
0: oh yeah i mean i don't have to
1: i don't know my neighbors super well at this point either but i know them well enough that if something like that were to happen immediately i would start to wonder
0: yeah well and two, um like so a couple thoughts if because if you remember like the only reason they have this house is because marcia's parents like left it to her Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of odd to me that if like things were bad in the marriage and marcia decides to end it like why the heck like why the heck would she leave like it seems as though like she would want donnie to leave Mm -hmm. um so that doesn't really sit well with me either and two, um like keeping in mind like like again like she like has this big beautiful garden that she takes such great care of and so it's like that even that mm-hmm. to me doesn't really seem like you would just up and leave that that much she
1: seems more rooted to that area into that home into that life than he right
0: did. right oh definitely for sure and but that also too, like the dogs that she loved so much still in the house mm-hmm. and so again like anyone who who knows me <laughs> knows that if i'm going anywhere my dogs are right behind yeah, me speaking and...
1: of social media seeing those instagram stories all correct time.
0: <laughs> correct exactly and so like like i've heard marcia and i are like right here for that and so um like there's just no no way in my opinion that like she just left mm-hmm. her dogs that she were like her entire world i mean again like for dog people like that is the equivalent 100 of leaving your kids like just behind mm-hmm. right like that's not going to happen um and 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 so the neighbor actually does take that initially anyways at face value. I don't really get the feeling again that this neighbor was much of a close friend, just like a friendly neighbor. So this seemed to track for them for why they hadn't seen her, why her flowers were dead, surface level make sense. But weeks and then months go by with no one really hearing from Marcia. In fact, her closest friends begin to realize that they hadn't seen her directly since March at that monthly writers meeting. And maybe it would seem pretty decently normal for Marcia to have left Donnie after not feeling too happy in their marriage. Maybe it would have made sense that she wasn't seen walking her dogs and maybe the really hard times that she was going through would lead to her to take a little bit of a hiatus from posting online as frequently, right? Like, all those things track, but by the time November of 2009 rolls around, things just aren't tracking all the way through for people who knew her the best, but it wasn't the friends who raised the red flag here. It was actually Marcia's hairdresser, Kelly. A hairdresser? Yeah, yeah right. Well, and listen, again, like, my, I go, like, my hairdresser and I, also named Kelly, ironically, Um, <laughs> you know, are like this, too, and so, like, she, she knows if I don't text her every month from, to get my hair done, like, something bad <laughs> happened to me, but she was also a true crime lover too so like you know take that with of salt, i suppose but um kelly seems like a true crime lover as well but marcia you know went to see kelly pretty regularly to get her hair done the two had actually developed this kind of like close friendship and so kelly is pretty convinced that regardless of what was going on in marcia's life there was no way that she would just blow her off and not come to get her hair done no way no how and so in november kelly decides to call police and report marcia missing
1: Liam, what point are we at here in terms of the timeline? Is this about six months or so that we're here now? Yes, you are definitely right, Sam. That is... I don't know of a case where you have that six months delay before somebody yeah. reports her as missing. That That is a mind-boggling number to me. Because you're talking yeah. about, obviously, the hairdresser as well. For her not having to have this communication with her for six months... At mm-hmm. some point, you would figure somebody would have reported something, but yeah, six months just is crazy. Well,
0: and again, I think that just, like, says a lot about Marsha, potentially, because, again, it was, like, all these, like, mm-hmm. decently close friendships, but, like, not, like, one really close friend that she was in communication with. Regularly, right? right? Like it seemed as though Donnie was that person for her that she was constantly checking. That that was her life at this point. Correct, absolutely, and so it's like Donnie would be that person, hypothetically speaking, to con to to report her missing if she had gone missing. Mm -hmm. And according to Donnie, Marsha left. You know, so it's just. Right. It's, it's very odd, but you're but you're definitely right right and and again, so it comes back to the fact that like if regardless of what happens to you right like regardless of what you of what you decide to do, you are going to get your hair done right like you are right. going to at, at some point send a text to your friends you are going to do all these things and so six months pass, it's just is it's it's insane and so Mm -hmm. you know but again apparently this was kind of like a decent representation of how she had been living her life sure again she had these you know decently so close social circles but they weren't all that close the closest of Marcia's family was actually in north carolina hours away and plus family members say that donnie had actually been really protective over her when it came to associating with people According to them, it wasn't all that odd for her to just not communicate with, fa- with the family for weeks or maybe even months, Sam. I'll put it into perspective for you, too. The family hadn't even heard Marsha was reported missing until weeks after Kelly made the call to police. So, again, just period. They just were not that close. Stephen Hatchett was the prosecutor looking into the case at the time and disclaimer today he is actually running for district attorney of the same district in Cleveland but he told me that when he got wind of the case back in 2009 it was just as odd as it's sounding to you and me today Sam
2: the the way the case came about was was unusual uh normally someone goes missing someone reports them fairly quickly we didn't have that in this case um the initial report came to the district attorney's office from another lawyer who Miss Brantley's hairdresser said something to so literally it it came in as a hey we don't really know what to think about this um what's you know what's going on um Walt Hunt was the investigator in the district attorney's office at the time, super good guy. Um, And I remember, I remember Walt walking into my office and saying, Steve, Stephen, we, we don't know if this is anything. Um, It's just a little weird. And when we started, you know, looking at it, talking to people, it did seem weird. It it seemed very odd. Uh, And when the, when the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation got involved with it, that the oddities just kept piling up. Uh this lady uh, was a writer and she was scheduled to be at a uh a writer's conference. Uh, she didn't she didn't go. She didn't show up. And actually that was one of the ways that we we narrowed down pretty close to when we believed that that she went missing uh, was that writers conference that she did not show up to.
1: You know, hearing that Stephen is looking at this kind of from the perspective you and I are looking at this in, he's an outsider, right? He doesn't know Marsha. He's kind of hearing this all for the first time. So from his perspective and from our perspective, yes, this is really odd. But like you were saying earlier, some of her, clo- some of her close friends, and I put close friends in quotations there, it, they kind of, ex- they didn't really see this as out of the ordinary, um, which is so interesting to me to... Kind of bringing that outsider's perspective, and they were the ones who kind of realized something was off first, before even some right. of the people who actually knew her seemed to realize something was right. off.
0: Right. Well, and again, she was like decently close to the, the hairdresser enough, right? But it, but it, it mm-hmm. seemed as though it was you know just as close as she was to anybody else, right? Um, right. And so and it's but it, like somebody who she was just you know you know known to see, and we go back to right like the like again we've talked about this you know more times than I can even, even count on this podcast where it's like your like your normal habits are so important in putting together like your mm-hmm. like like expected line of events um and so if you are in this situation where you're like you get your hair done every 3 months and you, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're not getting your hair done you know you should have gotten your hair done twice by now and you haven't you know, or whatever it is um, all right. it, that just that that sh- should 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 set something off absolutely right. 100% so, yeah. And, and again, going back to like my hairdresser, if I miss one appointment, like she's on my <laughs> ass for a lot of different reasons. Um, and hopefully Kelly's listening to this because she would agree. Um, but, you know, but sh- so point being is like you like it's 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 so important to to not ign- to know who who you know, what what everyone's, you know, traditional kind of routes are. Mm-hmm. And if they're a, a step out of that traditional route. Then, then it's time to call someone, right? Because, right. because again, like me, like again, we've talked about this so many times, right? Like I'm late to absolutely everything, and so like if I'm 30 minutes <laughs> late, order, like not a big deal, <laughs> right? And so, so correct, and so if I, so but if someone who's always on time for that thing is five minutes late, like maybe that's odd enough for them mm-hmm. to 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 reach out and say like there's something wrong here and so it's there's no like like minimum amount of amount of time to be a little suspicious and there's Mm -hmm. definitely no maximum amount of time to be a little suspicious
1: and shout out to kelly at this point your hairdresser she's got to have your back right now in case liam ever does go missing you gonna be on the record kelly (laughs)
0: correct correct you got to handle your shit now (laughs) (laughs) correct well, close friends of Marsha's end up searching Marsha and Donnie's home multiple times because at this point they're not totally buying Donnie's stories. For the same reason we aren't buying it, Sam. For starters, again, Marsha's beloved dogs were still at the house with Donnie, and they are convinced that Marsha would never leave them behind, not once ever. But on top of that, they didn't think it was likely that if Marsha wanted to leave Donnie that she would have packed up and left herself. She would have told Donnie to leave since, again, the house was in her name. Her parents paid for it. In multiple searches of the Brantley's home, the family found a lot of Marcia's personal belongings, things they are adamant she would never have went anywhere without. Marsha's car was also still in the driveway, and either on or in the car, Sam, the reporting is kind of conflicting here, there is a note that says this quote, sell it, see what you can get for it. Sell
1: it, see what you can get for it. Is that Marsha writing that note? Is that Donnie writing that note? Uh, Also hearing that as well, Marsha left her car there even though Donnie said that
0: she was the
1: one who left
0: right well and there's a bit of an explanation there at some point Sam for sure so definitely hold that thought but you're definitely not wrong that would be that's my that was my initial um mm-hmm. thought process when I read that too um but yeah but to answer your first question Sam it's not a hundred percent clear at least not entirely a handwriting expert that was eventually hired by Donnie's lawyers say that the handwriting does match Mar- March but investigators decide of course to get a second opinion and they determined that there was no way that she did write that note so so I guess kind of take that as you may handwriting, you know, analysis is pretty specific. Um, mm-hmm. So. It's kind of odd that, like, you know, two people have two different opinions, but again, like, who's to say? But family members had also found Marsha's day planner, which had the entire month of June already planned out in it, but not much beyond that. Based on that planner, and through talking to family members and friends, kind of what Stephen was talking about, investigators are able to get a pretty good estimate that Marsha had likely went missing in early June, because there were some events, including some writing conferences, that she definitely would have attended, but not. Never did. Investigators talk to Donnie at this point to get his side of Marcia's disappearance. And he again says that Marcia left him in June. He also says that she had taken an RV. That they owned to go live at a campground in Townsend, Tennessee.
1: There's the answer to the
0: car question. Correct. It's a little less than two, um, two hours northeast of Cleveland. But when investigators end up going to the campsite to look for Marsha, she isn't there.
1: I feel like a, an RV, too, would have been something they would have been able to keep track of in this situation, too. Did they yeah. Did they find
0: anything in regards to that? Well, no. So they find nothing. There's no Marsha. There's no RV. Um, we are going to come back to the RV. It's very very important um okay. so definitely hold that thought 100% um but but and also too, I don't like I you know give this a little you know iffy side eye kind of thing only because it's it's been 5 months or so whatever it's mm. been um since you know Marsha allegedly left Donnie and so it's like okay she's not there 6 months later like maybe she found a new campground so like you know mm-hmm. take that however you want to um but yeah i mean it's just it's just all it's all odd but like again hold that thought camper okay. rv very very important in this story So definitely hold that thought 100%. So investigators find no sign of any crime in the house. No blood, no fingerprints, absolutely nothing. No sign that the house was the scene of an actual crime. In the months to years after Marsha had gone missing, Donnie had moved to Georgia, and there was still no sign of Marcia. If she was still alive, she wasn't using her credit card, her social security number, her passport, and definitely was not paying her taxes. Investigators end up revisiting the house in 2012 to search again this time they bring in cadaver dogs which hit on one spot in the basement floor that was also a bit uneven according to them but when they dig up that spot in the floor they don't find anything and so as they waited and continued to follow up on as many leads as possible to get some clue as to where Marsha had gone investigators get wind of something that may reignite their investigation and in a big way.
2: Hey everyone, it's Michelle Heron, the co-host of
0: Crime Over Wine Weekly, a brand new show keeping you up to date on the latest in the true crime world. We know how much you rely on Crime Over Wine on Wednesdays to learn about a new case, but on Crime Over Wine Weekly, you'll hear our takes on the cases making the headlines. Join us every Sunday for a new episode of your new Crime and Wine Obsession. Prime Over Wine is sponsored by BetterHelp. As someone who's used therapy for years, I know that finding a therapist can sometimes be a stress on its own, juggling your full-time job, your family, your friends, your podcast, and trying to find the right therapist on top of that can almost feel impossible. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp matches you with a therapist that works for you on your terms. It's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to one of 33,000 licensed professional therapists in as little as a few days. And because finding a new therapist is a lot like finding a new bottle of wine, if you don't jive with your therapist, you can easily switch to a new one at no additional cost. You can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com slash crimeoverwine. That's betterhelp.com slash crime over wine for 10% off your first month. Join over 4 million people who decided to get help and get happy with BetterHelp. all right sam um how is your first glass of wine in what you said three years how, how's that going it's
1: definitely hitting the spot i'm just at the end of the first glass here so i think i think you know we can splurge for a second glass here i think that'll go down nicely oh we can definitely <laughs> do that. well
0: you're gonna need it for this back half of this thing because it's about to pick up real really fast um so definitely save for as much as you can oh i'm
1: ready we got it right yeah. here it's ready to go
0: <laughs> yeah good 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 stuff but so what do you what do you typically what do you typically go for what kind of flavors are you are you typically um interested in in For whatever you drink Yeah I'm
1: actually I'm more of a red wine Drinker normally So this was Mm. a little bit Of a different choice For me But like I said You know First time in three years I figured it would be Kind of a good choice To go for I do like more Fruity wines as well So this kind of Mm. Was right up my alley uh, but I kind of like the, the balance in it as well because you have that citrusy flavors in there but then you also we said the word earthy before earlier that's yeah. definitely still there too so yeah no
0: it's definitely it's actually kind of interesting because normally I feel like the a lot of the flavors kind of soften and, and mm-hmm. you know kind of or get a little bit, a lot more subtle toward the back half of um of the bottle but this one like once it aerates and stuff um, but this one I'm actually kind of feeling like a lot of the flavors are coming mm-hmm. out a lot more kind of interestingly oh, yeah, kind yeah. of becoming a little bit more bold
1: yeah it's it i also find as well that's something that your taste buds tend to notice more as you get older right (laughs) right yeah, 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 right. The very, very first, I remember the first time I ever tasted wine. I was eight years old. It was by accident. I thought it was grape juice. Wow. <laughs> and of course, as a kid, you know, you're like, what's this? You're like, this is, yeah. this is fucking bullshit.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 but right. No, this no, is, no. Not, this <laughs> is not grape juice. No, <laughs> why are they drinking this? Right, right, right. Yeah, it, it is, it, it kind of is interesting, like the sophistication around, like, um around wine specifically mm. um of like, you know, you kind of have to have like a little bit of a, of a palette for right. like kind of noticing that with like any kind of alcohol, I feel like, right? Because like obviously like even like beer, like Bud Light is much different than like you know oh, whatever yeah. or, like craft beer you tend to drink. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like you have to kind of be able to appreciate that. Same thing here. Um and so it is kind of it's it's it is funny though, like thinking back to like the first time right. that like I ever like m- like my first <laughs> beer, right? And it's like and it like you're drinking, you're like what? Like why do they like this <laughs> stuff? And like now I'm like, how do you not? You know what I mean? Right.
1: But just like exposure brings out the flavors in this
0: wine, same thing is yeah. exposure to your taste your taste palate over time. Now I'm very yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, good. There you go. Love that for you. Fantastic. Glad to do that for you. Um, well, we are about to take a total left turn here, Sam. I mean, I prom- whatever Oof. you were expecting in this case, I promise you it's not what actually happens. <laughs> um, so let's get right back into what we were talking about. I'm ready. All right. Awesome. Well, investigators find out that the credit company that was managing the loan on the Brantley's RV wasn't getting paid and they were trying to come after Donnie about it, but they weren't having much luck on getting in touch with Donnie about that. But when they did, he reiterated to them that he didn't have the camper and that Marsha had taken it with her when she left him. But when investigators get wind of this kind of discrepancy here, they are convinced that Donnie is lying and that he may be hiding the RV to keep it from being repossessed. So they decide to pay Donnie a visit where they understand he's been living, which is on his parents' property in Georgia. And when they get there to ask him some questions about the RV and more about Marsha, they find right there in plain sight on the property, the camper. The same camper that Donnie had sworn Marcia had taken with her when she left him.
1: Mm, what a coincidence huh mm-hmm. <laughs> just happens to be there
0: <laughs> right well and again so there's like kind of this discrepancy like I read some reporting that he may have been like living in the camper and some reporting that he may have been living in his parents house and the camper just was there um, mm-hmm. so there's like some some you know variation here but like point being is like there's no way you just miss the RV right that like they that, right. the, that the credit company has been coming after you for right and he's been
1: telling investigators for so long that she's taken it and that's right. why he doesn't right. know
0: again lie number number however many right and so Mm -hmm. like and there's so many more to be uh, to be had here but again that to me just feels like so much evidence that there's this you know very clear like her mode of transportation out of the house Mm -hmm. is with him right right she didn't take the car she
1: didn't take the camper that he said she took so how did she leave and why didn't she take any of
0: that she didn't walk she didn't ride the dogs into the distance right like she Mm -hmm. like there were you you have to have a vehicle if you're going to like up and move and, mm-hmm. and restart your life in some way shape or form and she doesn't have that right and so it just it's just very hard for me to believe at this point mm-hmm. but you know it's definitely you know evidence of something too i don't know how much evidence it is that donnie had like something to do with marsh's disappearance at least directly but it is evidence that he lied about it at the very least and it's evidence of credit fraud at two, right? Like, so they charge him with hindering a secured creditor, saying that he had intentionally hidden the fact that he knew exactly where the RV was so that the bank didn't repossess it. Now, obviously, investigators have to search this thing, and they do, but as they look through the RV for evidence, they don't find anything that a crime had been committed in this RV, Sam.
1: Yeah, so at this point, you're sitting there, and you're like... You have evidence of lies, you have evidence of another crime altogether, but you still don't really have, a, you don't have a body at this point, right. you don't have evidence right. of like a physical crime, so... Right.
0: Or a crime scene
1: at least. Right, right. Yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. at this point, even though your alarm bells may be
0: ringing, is this enough to charge at yeah. this point? I don't know. I, because I feel like I, again, all this in hindsight, like mm. it feels like there is, like that is like the thing thing right mm-hmm. that you're like you've been looking for this for this RV it's, see, the you, the lie revolves around this right. RV and you have the RV and so it seems like if there's nothing else to charge him with like mm-hmm. this would be it right
1: right and they're already bringing him in to charge him with the credit uh, right. fraud as well right. so they have motivation right. now to ask questions beyond that
0: oh yeah absolutely and that's like a clear strategy here right to try and get mm-hmm. Donnie on the record about the RV he can either defend his hiding the camper giving inst- investigation Eaters, a chance to get more evidence about Marsh's disappearance, or he can serve out a federal charge for hindering a secured creditor, right? His choice. And Steven actually explained to me that this was definitely all a part of the larger strategy here.
2: The the camper, the RV became kind of a a, a focal point because of his story about uh she would go to uh she would go camping with it. And he 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 came up with this story about an R V park and uh, up in Townsend, Tennessee, that she was up there with the RV. Well, the RV really became became important because my idea in that case always was that you don't lie about the location of the RV unless you have a reason to lie about it. The hindering a secure creditor charge, um, he, he was hindering a secure creditor, but at the start of the case, he wasn't there was no hindering that it, it, it hadn't reached the point of, of hindering so that rv really became a big part of that case because well why why are you why are you hiding it why are you keeping it away um why are you saying this is where it's gone or, or that may be where it's gone or she took it and um the rv turning up down in in georgia was a big part of that case and the hindering and secured creditor charge, it sounds like a throwaway charge, but but it really wasn't because if Mr. Brantley wanted to defend himself and everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, that's, that's the law. We all accept that. That's how it should be. But that was a charge he was either going to have to uh, defend or plead guilty to. And that was... Um, I thought that that really was going to be one of the key things in that case was, was what kind of defense he put on as to, to why he did it.
1: I It's funny that it's a credit charge <laughs> that kind of brought down his undoing. I feel like in so many criminal cases like this, they might get away for some time with the big crime, the murder, but then it's a little one that they kind of overlook that ends up being their right. downfall.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Right. And it's and we see it all the time in in crime cases too. Right, where it's like you use one that one little itty bitty charge that like otherwise probably would have been dismissed mm-hmm. um, to to prove the larger crime. Right. Like a hundred percent. I mean, it's it's just and also too, it's like you tax stuff on a lot of times mm-hmm. like a throwaway charge, like Stephen was talking about, um, so that like regard like. Even if you fail at murder, like you have like proof beyond a reasonable doubt um, that he that he hid right. Harvey from his credit company. And so um, he's going away for something right like at the very least. Mm -hmm. And also, too, because what I um, I found a couple things interesting there. Right. Like like Stephen sums it up pretty well, um, at least the way I see the RV situation where it was like you don't lie about this unless you have a reason to lie about this. Right. Like unless you are have like, you know, some like, you know, deranged, you know, um, you know, lying habit. Right. Like like, there's there's no way you're lying about about the RV that you swear your your wife took Mm -hmm. who happens to be missing unless you have a really good reason to lie about that. Uh, Especially when talking to the
1: police as well. Right. This is when you know you have to be honest and you find yourself maybe even recalling pieces or facts of what happened that are completely irrelevant. But you're going to make sure you're telling them that because you want to ensure that you're not going to get into trouble. So lying about something as big as that probably an indication of something else going on (laughs)
0: Yeah. well and it's interesting to me too right because it's like you like my initial instinct when i was reading about again um about how they you know found the rv he said that that the rv was elsewhere um was like okay well what was his defense like how how did he say you know like how did he explain all this away but then I was thinking even more so too, right? like again like on, along the lines of that Donnie is guilty here like why would you even need to right because it's like because mm-hmm. they still haven't found Marsha at this point and so it's like just because you have the RV doesn't mean that you killed her assuming mm-hmm. that that she's dead at you know three years later um. and so it's like like what 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 would you even like like why would you even need to start talking through all right. of this and like pr- provide an explanation when it's like what are you really going to 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 do it to me in the end like you know what i mean
1: yeah and at this point i'm sure his only explanation at this point is maybe trying to obviously he wants to hide the bigger crime at this point but maybe as well part of his mindset is thinking here about explaining away the security the the credit fraud charges as well right
0: right yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, but you know, talking about that too, right, Sam, like as they're waiting to put Donnie through that trial, they do end up charging him with murder, anyways, during one of his court dates for the charges related to their RV. But it's not totally clear like what exactly changed between that between those two time point points in time in order right. for him to do that.
1: And you're also saying murder here, and they still haven't found Marsha's body at this point.
0: Yeah, and you're definitely right about that, Sam. They still have not found Marsha, and I frankly haven't even seen any like direct evidence that suggests that she's like definitely a hundred percent dead although i do think the likelihood of course of that being the case is pretty high and steven actually thinks so too
2: just the absence of marcia brantley you know we we did uh we did searches uh of ports of entry um never left the country She's never came into the country not on a passport anyway um never turned up anywhere we're um what sixteen fifteen years fifteen years later almost um and there's no sign of her she's not turned up anywhere, so even back then, the fact that that she just disappears off the face of the earth um was hard was hard to to reconcile you know one of the things that that was brought up in The 2016 dismissal was, well, there's no body. Well, you can, you can prosecute a murder case without a body. You can prosecute a a murder case um, without blood, without DNA, without, you know, anything. And that, that always struck me as kind of an odd, an odd reason to, uh, to simply walk away from it. Now. I will obviously acknowledge you get you get one crack, right? I mean, you you try it, you lose, then you're done. But nothing has changed. It wasn't one thing. It wasn't two things. It was just a lot of stuff that when you piled it up and you looked at it. The only explanation is this woman has been removed from the face of the earth. And the only person who would have had a reason to do it uh was Donnie Brantley. I mean, that's it. He was the he was the only person. There's an old episode of Matlock, the old TV show Matlock. And he's uh he's defending a case and he tells the jury that, that the deceased is not dead and he's gonna prove it because they're gonna walk through those courtroom doors and he turns around and he points and all the jury turns back and points and the and the anecdotal thing is uh, you all have a reasonable doubt because you all looked, right? Makes for good TV. Doesn't necessarily make for, for for good courtroom in real life. And I don't know that anybody would turn around and look. If, if all that evidence is put in front of them by the state of Tennessee, I, I don't think anybody turns around and looks. So the likelihood, I don't think there is any likelihood. Um, and if i did i wouldn't have signed the indictment you know
1: it's interesting hearing him talk there about oh this is real life this isn't tv because i remember i remember when i was younger i went to a criminology i went through a criminology course and one of the professors who was there speaking he said you know you always hear the phrase circumstantial evidence you can't convict if it's just circumstantial mm-hmm. evidence but I remember him sitting there and telling me like, no, that's that's not true. If you have mm-hmm. all right. of this evidence, even if it's not direct proof that someone killed someone or somebody committed a crime, if it's altogether a compelling argument, that's enough.
0: Right. So,
1: So at this point, yes, you may not have a body, but you definitely have plenty of reasons to believe she's gone.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. And that, that's exactly what he's trying to say there is like, even, even if there's not like this mountain of proof, like pointing directly to Donnie, like there's still like enough proof to like make you believe pretty reasonably based on like who she was, right? Like who, what was she, she was known to do to make you believe that something bad happened to her. Otherwise, like she would have continued going about those those things like going about getting her right. hair done going about you know you know walking walking her dogs going about planting her flowers and that was not happening right you would
1: think that after 6 months you would find some sort of a trace of her Something,
0: existence right and again i'm like one like i'm not one at all to believe that like the average person right like myself included in that mm-hmm. could just disappear at the face of the earth like and and change their yeah. their identity and, like, and be successful at it, right? Because, like, you would slip up at some point, right. specifically in today's day and age, right? Where, like, like social media is so strong, like, she clearly had a very oh, active old online cameras profile. everywhere. Correct. And there's just no way that the average person can do that that sophisticatedly without, at some point, there being some trace of you. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I just, I never buy that. I just, I, I just, I hate when that is, like like the assumption by anybody like uh, like regard like absent like whoever did something bad to that person but like when Mm -hmm. investigators say oh they must have just skipped town like no way like they were (laughs) like like they were an honor roll student or they were like they were a bank teller there's no way that they have that capability there's just no way no
1: no that's a difficult thing for anyone to do let alone somebody who doesn't have that experience
0: yeah and definitely not a marcia brantley Definitely mm-hmm. not Marcia Brantley. But unfortunately, Sam, it's never quite that simple, because as investigators were waiting to get all of their ducks in a row to take Donnie to trial for Marcia's murder, they are dealt with yet another serious legal blow. Crime Over Wine is proud to support Pet. Veterinary care shouldn't be a mystery, and neither should your pet's health. Emancipat's licensed veterinarians have answers to all of your pet questions. In the Vet Ed video series, veterinarians break down topics from spaying and neutering to protecting your pet in cold weather. Learn more at emancipat.org and watch Vet Ed on the Emancipat YouTube channel. The statute of limitations runs out on the hindering a secured creditor charge, giving them no choice but to drop those charges. And with that, according to them, goes their best chance at getting new evidence out of Donnie to charge him with murder. And so 10 days before Donnie was scheduled to go to trial in 2013, prosecutors end up dropping the charges, and the district attorney says that the family was behind the decision, saying that they still believe Donnie was guilty of murder, but they didn't want to risk going to trial without sufficient evidence. Stephen told me that it was just an absolutely massive blow to the case as a whole.
2: When the case was dismissed in 2014, uh statute of limitations subsequently ran on that because it didn't get brought back in time it didn't come back until 2016 so the statute of limitations ran uh so that charge never never could be brought back and that really um not being able to try that, try that charge, I think really letting the case sit as long as it did, I, I think that hampered it. I think that that did real damage to the case because you, if you have someone who has done something that they're not supposed to do, even if it's not, even if it's not murder, let's say that was the only thing that he did was take this camper and hide it, and the people that had a loan on it couldn't find on their property, right. It's still, it's still an act. It's still an act that uh, you can point to and say, okay, well, but this did happen. This is a, this is a thing. And losing that um, I think that really, I think that damaged the case.
1: Mentioned a massive blow to the case. Timelines are always tricky anytime we're talking about criminal charges. So, for for them, you know, you think you have, like, this nugget of gold uh, with this credit yeah. charge, and now all of a sudden
0: that's yeah. gone. Well, and that's the only reason they were able to bring him in, right? It's, th- it's three years later, mm-hmm. and they don't have anything, right, to, to, to tie him, you know, directly to Marcia's case. And so um, it right. just seems, you know, to be the—you were talking about this gold nugget, right? Like, that seemed to be, like, the linchpin to, like, hold this whole thing together. Because, again, going back to what mm-hmm. we said before, you don't have a reason to lie unless you have a reason to lie. And so right. it's like if you if you're clearly you're clearly lying about this RV like it's on record, and simply because of I mean I don't even want to really call it a technicality because there's like reason that 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 statute of limitations no exist. absolutely but like, yeah but I mean it's in essence a technicality that you lose this thing yeah I
1: mean I think people use the word technicality as kind of like this negative thing but technicalities mm-hmm. are there for a reason most of the time right. so. It, it's frustrating, but at the same time, you kind of have to sit there and be like, these are the cards that you're dealt with right now.
0: Right, right. Well, and you have to do whatever you can with with the cards that you're dealt with, 100%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, Stephen ended up resigning from the DA's office right before the charges were dropped in 2013 for not reasons totally unrelated to, um, to Marcia's case, just to be crystal clear. But the rest of the district attorney's office, including a new district attorney, ends up retrying the case again. They charged Donnie once again with first-degree murder, but the new DA wouldn't say what the new evidence was that pushed him to make that move. He does say that the family is behind him again on this move, though. But once again, the district attorney's office feels as though they don't have the necessary evidence to move forward with a trial when that time comes around. So just days before he is scheduled to go to trial again in 2018, his charges are dropped.
1: At this point, they're just going through (laughs) – you've already brought charges on once before. Now here's number two. This is quite a bit for (laughs) investigators to be going through. But then on top of it, you kind of have to sit there wondering – what was it? What happened that led to them to have to drop it once again? Right. And and what prompted right. them to even begin to make this second attempt to begin right. with?
0: Well, and Steven says like pretty, you know, uh, you know, apparently here that he's like he's like nothing changed, like there was no difference from the first time around that they did this compared to the second time around that they did this. And so the fact that it was got brought up again, it was even confusing to him, and again, he wasn't working for the district attorney's office at this point. And so it was just odd to him that he right. that it was like we're doing this all over again when nothing was really all that all that different and then you drop the case for the same reasons. And so it's just strange yeah. even to me, right? Like from the outside of looking in I'm like why is this like what's the point in rehashing this whole thing? And I
1: for the from the family's perspective as well, even though the new district attorney is like, "Oh, we have their support on this." Putting them through that again, when only to then drop the charges just a little bit of time later has to take a massive toll on them too.
0: Yeah, oh, and always, right? Whenever this thing gets stirred back up in Mm -hmm. the news and in the legal system, it's always re-traumatizing, right? And so it's just i just i just can't i i can't imagine like what it's what it feels like to you know be in this situation um but i mean it's just it's it's but like frustrating right right the fact that you like that it's like it's like this little nugget of hope there's like this new guy Mm -hmm. new blood like who's taking a new look at this thing and they must be thinking oh like they like he's got this Right. right and then all of a sudden they're like Oh, no, actually, we're in the same place we were a couple years ago. They're sitting there saying,
1: this guy's listening to us. This guy's moving forward on this. Right. Only to then be with the bombshell news. Hey, we still don't have enough. Yeah, correct. So so what do investigators think even happened here, Liam?
0: Well, today, Marsha Steele has not been found, Sam. Her family has since declared her legally dead, and they even had a headstone built for her, but her body isn't there. If you believe investigators, then Donnie likely killed Marcia because of financial and emotional pressure. Right before Marcia disappeared, the housing market crashed right in 2009, putting significant strain on Donnie's housing repair business as the family's main source of income. Friends and family said that Marcia and Donnie never specifically said that money was tight, but they could tell based on their changing spending habits. Their theory was that Donnie was going to use Marcia's abandonment as a way to get the house in Donnie's name so he could sell it, but to be clear, prosecutors said that they never found any evidence to suggest that he had been using his power of attorney over Marsh's estate to financially gain. Investigators also said that Donnie was possibly having an affair. Shortly after Marsha disappeared, investigators found an online dating profile for Donnie that was registered to the same phone number that was associated with the phone Donnie bought Marsha right before she vanished, despite him telling investigators that she had taken the phone with her when she left him. Dot, dot, dot. Now, attorneys for Donnie said that the profile was set up after Marcia left him, so that was hardly proof that he had something to do with it, and friends said that they were sure that if she had found out about the affair or the online dating profile that she would have thrown him out of the house, she would not have left the home, period. But investigators are certain that because of all of this pressure, Donnie decided to kill Marcia to start over. They say they found some questionable purchases right before Marcia disappeared. Apparently, he had bought a plastic drop cloth, a tarp, a welder's kit, and a pressure washer, along with a landfill ticket showing that Donnie had disposed of some of those things, along with some other, you know, questionable objects, according to them but his attorneys argued on his behalf that those were things that he would buy regularly for his home repair business so they were not all that incriminating at least you know beyond a surface level right
1: but then at the same time you're sitting there and you know we were talking about it earlier circumstantial evidence an individual piece alone isn't enough to be able to bring charges but now you're kind of adding those pieces in there now you have these purchases Correct. of these items. I mean, so in this case as well, mm-hmm. now you're starting to build that up a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Well, and what's like beyond? Like, what's the difference, right, between like an uh, between a normal purchase and an abnormal mm-hmm. purchase, right? Like you talked about the the case that we've that we both covered in Chattanooga, um, and in that situation, like it was an abnormal right. amount of cleaning supplies, like beyond what he had mm-hmm. normally been been purchasing. And so I don't really know like what that comparison was between like how often he was right. known to purchase these items in what quantity. Um, you know and so and at what times and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing and so maybe that kind of stood out to them Mm -hmm. but from what his defense attorneys are kind of saying here it's like no this is just what he needed right Right. so I don't know I don't really know what to make of that I feel like I need more information Is the
1: and and I'm sure investigators probably would have asked that question which is okay well how often does he buy this is this something that's a regular purchase for him and they would have tried to maybe find those records to be able to see if that was something that was
0: normal yeah and to that point too that's something that probably would have come out in a trial Mm -hmm. if we actually went to a trial right. in this case which never happens and so yeah so it's it's, oh, a, it's like i feel like i'm running in <laughs> here correct a little spoiler alert but you know the case has been the subject of a pretty controversial episode at least among the legal community of 48 hours Stephen hatchett is again running for district attorney in the district and if he were to win it would give him an opportunity to take another look at this case but given everything that happened with it he's not sure that it would make much of a difference
2: the issue that's going to exist because of the, the 48 hours um, decision, for lack of a better word, um, is going to be that Mr. Brantley, if he's ever charged with this case, uh, he's going to raise uh, the due process concern of, of being able to get a jury now. The, the entire country had access to that show they they put all kinds of stuff on the 48 hours website for people to go and sift through and look at um he he will undoubtedly say that he cannot get a fair jury trial in the state of Tennessee that there's been unfair uh prejudice to him um through the uh the 48 hours broadcast i mean that's that is what it is and that can't be undone you can't un ring that bell, um, and quite frankly, if if that hadn't happened, um, as much as I like you, Liam, I wouldn't be talking to you about this case because it may very well land on my desk in a few months, but the the reality is, is that's what happened, um, and you can't undo that. So if he were ever to be charged again, he's going to raise that, and I think any court would have to take a long, hard look at that. Um, and make a decision on whether he can get a fair trial. I mean, not, and I hate that. I hate that for the family. I, I do. Um, but I, the likelihood of her being found, um, I, I don't think it's very high. I think you you look at the time that has passed, the time that has elapsed, um, and n- nothing has changed. Uh, but. The, the likelihood of the prosecution even if she was found at this point even if she was found um I, as much as I hate it for for her family I don't think you I don't think you will I don't think you can um I think he would he would say that what happened in 2018 um prejudiced him that he he received uh unfair publicity he was basically tried in the public um and i think the the courts would would have to take a long hard look at it and I, I think he would he would probably prevail on that and and you know really that's that is a sad footnote um but not inconsistent with the way a lot of this has gone um just not um not not going the way you would hope a a murder case like this one would um, would go uh so i as much as I hate to say that i don't i don't think you'll ever see a i don't think you'll ever see a prosecution quite candidly
1: that's that's a bit of a gut punch there you know hearing that at this point even Because this whole time, you know, you and I have been saying this whole time as we're going through this story, where's the body? Where's the body? That's the the big question. And then to be hit with, even if it is found, like even if that first miracle happened, then you have to have that other miracle happening of, well, he's going to cite media coverage as a bias against
0: it. Right. Well, yeah. And and so – like, we're winding here a little bit here. And like, this is probably really good context um mm-hmm. for our listeners that, like I know, and like maybe Sam knows a little bit here, right? Like there's like a whole lot of like tense situations happening, right in right. in that district. And so, um, like, look it up for yourself, I suppose, but the <laughs> but the but because i I won't go into it. But, like, the point being here is that, like, um, the you know, based on what Steven has told me, it seems as though, um, you know, people involved in this case, you know, released a lot of information as part of this like 48 hours broadcast, mm-hmm. um, you know a document dump as what as, as, um, the way Steven, um, explained it. And so what his, what he's trying to say there is like the fe- that that decision, you know, as unfortunate as it was post, you know, the second, um, the second, uh, dismissal in this, in this, uh, case really is coming back to bite right. them, you know, as, as we try to really look for this thing, e- e- that even if we, we found all this evidence that there's just no way you can have a, have a, um, have a fair jury, right which i'm not personally convinced is like totally true right because like i hadn't really heard of this case really until um which i don't live in in this in this jurisdiction yeah. so like th- i won't be a jury but like i'm i'm sure there was like some people who like have never even heard of march brantley unfortunately um and so like i'm sure there are like i'm sure that's that's you know a little bit of a moot point but still like point being like i'm constantly mm-hmm. surprised at, at the number of juries at the number of jurors um who like don't watch the news right like who right who don't pay attention to what's going on in their community
1: yeah and I think you know we're we're, for me that kind of seems I don't want to say cop out but for me it does seem to be like a little bit of a a, a frustrating take because that happened that all that story was released 48 Hours everything was 2018 right Mm-hmm. And now here we are six years later, and I can just tell you, you know, having been somebody who's worked in local news and has been to these cases before, there's a lot of people who won't have watched that program. There's a lot of people yeah, who right. probably weren't following the news there. Hey, there's a jury pool now that's younger then, so they probably don't remember that because that wasn't something they were paying yeah. attention to. So right. I, I don't know if I 100% buy that, but I do see no, where he's coming from too.
0: Well and it and I definitely feel like it probably makes like things a little bit a little bit more complicated but mm-hmm. like definitely not a reason at least in my opinion to just like not like go after the case if the right. case is there right like that's just my opinion and like i don't think that's what he's saying at all but i do think it's sa- he's saying that like because of all of these puzzle pieces that have mm-hmm. that have come together right um or not come together frankly in this case um it's just going to be harder and so it's it's again unfortunate but um you know again like whoever whoever ends up finding that piece of evidence if that evidence ever comes about which i hope it does Mm -hmm. um you know like it's 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 going to be harder but it's going to require a whole lot more dedication and i hope that that person's up to the task yeah
1: and you know from you and i mentioned the family earlier from their perspective they're going through those highs and lows right
0: because you
1: have yeah oh yeah first gets brought to the police's attention they start looking into it no bodies found but then you find the rv RV is kind of like that high moment, and then they gets drop down low when statute limitation runs right. out. Then the charge get well, brought and, again.
0: Yeah, well, and and the and the, like the length of periods of time between mm-hmm. these events, right, is like it's like if it was all happening within like a couple of years, like like oh, my, like how how traumatic right. it's happening over the course of what f- nine years or so? Yeah, like, almost like, like every game. two years. Yeah, correct. Every two years or so, like you're having to like reopen this wound of like oh my gosh what happened to Marsha? like it's just it's i can't imagine how 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 hard that must be to just constantly be like because 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 think about the weight of like what, that what actually right well because think about the weight like every day that must that must you know be on you mm-hmm. of like like what really happened to Marsha, like you think about her every day but then to have that like a little bit of hope of like oh my gosh like they bring charges back again right. oh my gosh they found the rv whatever it is like and and for it to just go nowhere, it's it's hard, right? Like, right. It's just hard. It's hard to to deal with. Mm-hmm.
1: And you hope that maybe something will come of it. You hope that maybe that linchpin piece of evidence will be right. found. But right. Decade later, this is a <laughs> this is a cold case. It's now. a hard <laughs> one. It's
0: definitely a hard one. It's definitely a cold case. It's definitely a hard one. Um, but again, like I have seen cases be solved in right. far greater periods of time. Um, and so everyone out here listening to this to this episode, I have a lot of listeners in the Chattanooga area. So I will say this so confidently that um, someone out there knows something that could be the critical piece of this. And so if you know anything about Marsha Brantley's disappearance, you can call the Bradley County Sheriff's Office at 423-728-7311. And again, as always, we're going to put that number in our show notes and on our website, too. So if you don't remember it now, you, will, you can come back to it later at some point so um but for now i guess that is all that we have for you this week um so sam thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me it's been fun i i
1: you know what this glass of wine i think it was just what i
0: needed i <laughs> uh, yeah well to get through this one right absolutely yeah and sometimes i feel like it like gets my imagination running a little bit more than when i was mm-hmm. original originally you know i um, researching this case and so a, a glass of wine usually helps yeah, you know um, get the creative opinion. juices flowing just a little bit right Right. You have to have that for these cases. But um, Sam, thanks again for coming on. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you and your work online.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I am still a reporter here in Denver. If you want to catch up on some of the stories I've done, you can go to my Facebook page, Samuel Pena TV. I'm also on Twitter at Sam Pena TV Um, and at Denver 7 as well. You can go there and you'll find some of the many of the stories that I'm working on in this area.
0: Well, thanks, Sam. Again, so much for coming on. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories too. And if you are just loving this podcast and you're just looking for a way to tell everyone and anyone about it, the best way to help people discover this podcast is by leaving us a five-star rating and a review wherever you are listening right now. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and if you're wondering what we have in store for you next week, here's a quick sneak peek. Hello, everybody. It's Liam.
2: And I'm Riley Nagel.
1: Next week, I'm entering the crime vineyard to tell you all about a mystery that all started on Halloween night, when a new father went to see friends but never
0: arrived. What do we really know about the disappearance of David Ortiz Jr.? It is one complicated case, and we will tell you all about it next Wine Wednesday on another episode of Crime Over Wine.